Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. How's it going, Habs fans? This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. My name is Joseph Whalen. And this is episode 11 of the Canadians Connection podcast, the Zaku Koivu edition of the Canadians Connection podcast. <laughs> and uh, like last week, with, with that in mind, I will welcome Zaku Koivu to my Sergei Kostitsin, Mr. Rick Stevens. How's it going, Rick? I, I like that. I, I actually like Sergei Kostitsin, too. Um, yeah. He was yeah, a good lineman for Koivu in 07-08. For sure. A, a yeah. great shot. Yeah. yeah, good speed. So I feel like I'm being a little bit more, uh, a little bit more kind to myself this week than with as the, you should uh, be. The as address. you should be, <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, so I feel like it's necessary to just kind of address this right off the top of the show. We did have some breaking news just a little while ago. Nikita Sherback has been placed on waivers. We'll just address that right now. We're going to get into it a little bit later on in the show because we need to kind of devote a little bit more time to this than would be usually allotted in, in the first segment of the show. When we, we like to talk about the things that are going on in Montreal, and this is just kind of a side situation, unfortunately, where Nikita Sherback has been this, uh, this story that's been going on really all season, and, and this is kind of the, uh, the unfortunate resolution of, of that story. So we'll get into the winners and losers, and uh, I guess we'll start off on a positive note because I'm not quite sure how positive this show is going to be. Um, <laughs> so my winner of the week is Carl Alsner, and um, he was just, you know, he got put on similar to Nikita Sherback, got put through waivers earlier this week, and he cleared, and he got sent down to Laval. And Carl Alsner, if you don't remember, going into this season, had a 622 game consecutive Ironman streak that was the fourth longest active streak at the time and it's the 12th longest all time he has been an effective NHL defenseman for for quite some time he's been in 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 Washington for for what 10 years he was an effective NHL defenseman it it was 10 years between the time he played in the AHL and and you see uh, he, he scored a goal, and that would make it back-to-back games for Carl Alsner in the AHL where he scored scored a point. And um, to me, this was – it just showed everything about Carl Alsner that you need to know. Like, a lot of guys could have looked at that and said, you know what, I, I don't want to be involved in this. I don't want – I've, I've played 622 consecutive games. I've been an NHL defenseman for a long time. I'm not looking at that. I'm not going down to that, especially considering what Laval has been. And uh, if you don't really know what Laval has been, I would also recommend checking out the, uh, the From the Press Box podcast because they got into that earlier this week, Rick Stevens, Amy Johnson, and they got into the problems that have been going on in Laval. So I'm not going to get into that because there's a podcast that is exactly for that, and they do a, a wonderful job of it. But Carl Alsner got sent down. And he had a smile on his face. He was ready to go to work. And I'm not quite sure that there are many other guys with Carl Alsner's track record that would have done the same. And he was just, 
he's just a, a pleasure to watch. He's just a, he's a likable person. And, you know, everything about this situation, it, it was actually one of the only positives that I took away from this week was that Carl Alsner did what he was asked to do. And, and I hope that there's some NHL team watching, if not the Montreal Canadiens, who maybe revisit this at a, situa- at a certain time. Because I know that he's not a fast skater. I know that he's got limitations. I've addressed this. But Carl Alsner was effective for a reason, and I don't, I don't believe that he is any worse than Xavier Ouellette, Jordy Ben. Xavier, we're going to get into that a little bit later on as well, uh, the, the options on the left side for the Montreal Canadiens. But for me, I think Carl Alsner was just a, a really good story this week, and, and that's why he's my winner. That's a great pick, um, yeah. a, a really good pick. And, and – and I think I, what I really like is that you pointed out um, his his Ironman streak, um, yeah. because one of the things that has happened in the two months since uh, the season has begun is in the minds of of some in the media and and many fans, um, all, uh, Carl Alsner uh, forgot how to play hockey. He's kind of the worst coming of you know, take your example or take any example. Um, we have to understand that this is, this is a very good uh, NHL caliber hockey player uh, who can play uh, solid defense when he's put in a role that, that matches his particular set of skills. And I, I think it was, um, it was uh, Dave Pagnotta from the fourth period. Uh, who was talking about um, being in touch with with teams and finding out who might be interested in in Carl Osner. And we'll touch on that in in a minute. But um, he said in the teams that he's spoken to, um, they believe that it's not so much Osner as it is the Canadian system. It's Claude Julien's system. And 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 on defense and and that um, it doesn't fit. They, it doesn't fit with Alner, Alsner's skills. Um, yeah. And those teams that he's talked to uh, believe that it's uh, you know a change of scenery, a change of system um, is going to help him. Um, and and we heard you know there. It's interesting that that near the end of the season there was there was two. Two guys, uh, I, I should say that that uh, privately, um, off the record, uh, there was a number of players, quite a few players who complained about Claude Julien's system. There was two who did it publicly, uh, Max Pacioretty and Carl Elsner. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we see what happened. We see what happened there. And Carl Alsner talked about it being so different from the system that they use in Washington. And we've talked about it before. Julian has this uh, belief that on the defensive scheme that, that you have to overwhelm. You want, you want, you want to always out, outman the, the puck carrier. Um, and it means rotating. Um, and uh, it, it, it means... Um, uh, you know, just, just kind of taking over and, 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 but it, it requires a lot of movement and a lot of thinking, and it requires the participation of forwards. And right now we see that the Canadians don't have that. And, and so certain defensemen have been scapegoated. And, and I think we see yeah. that we've seen that with Carl Osner. 
Um, but you're right about when he went down um, to Laval, he was very positive. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Joe Bouchard has chosen, handpicked, the, the, he in, in, in uh, conjunction with Mark Bergevin has handpicked that lineup. Uh, they've overturned the, the lineup from last year. There's only a handful of people left, and they've chosen who they want to be in there. And in doing so, they have an extremely young lineup. Um, and you can't really use that as an excuse because that's the lineup they wanted. But uh, Brett Lernout said that Alsner came into the, the dressing room. It was a big change. Um, yeah. That that it's the kind of guy that they've did all season, an old guy leading it. And the positivity that uh, that he has, and, and it's it's you know you mentioned from the press box when when uh, in, in earlier episodes when Amy Johnson and I talked about how you know uh, it, the danger of getting rid of veterans, um, yeah, the danger of getting rid of veterans like Adam Cracknell or Chris Terry or Matt Terramina or Zach Redmond. Um, uh, and and it was done, I think. Uh, Bouchard is a new coach, um, never coached at, at the, the, the level before. So he might be worried about having a room full of veterans in being challenged at all or being shown to be uh, in over his head. He wanted to be yeah. the star, and, and maybe that that's, was all by design. And it hasn't really worked out, uh, as we've seen with Lavelle at the bottom of the standings. But... Um, you know, Alsner came in, and what what um, there was there was a bit of a tell though in in his interviews, um, in Laval, and he said, um, you know, I was I was in for two games, and he was talking about his uh, experience this year in Montreal. I was in two games, I was out for t- two games, regardless of how I was playing. Yeah, and that. That seems to be we've I've heard that um, from both players publicly and privately uh, this season that performance and effort is not rewarded with playing time. Um, that's coming to, from the players. That's their perspective. Um, that that um, it seems like the plans have been predetermined uh, in the summer by Julian and, and Bergeron, and obviously. Um, uh, Alsner was not in the Canadians' plans. Um, you know, Alsner said he, 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 uh, his goal is to play a thousand games in the NHL. He's he's seventy percent of the way there, um, and and he will do that uh, with another team. Um, as you said, very classy, very positive, great attitude, um, yeah. and uh, certainly deserves, uh, as you said, the the. Um, uh, uh, your uh, winner of the week. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so from one hard-hitting stay-at-home defenseman to another, we get your winner of the week. Yeah, and, and I could think of of no other um, and Shea Weber. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Shea Weber, we've been we've been waiting for Shea Weber all season. Um, and uh, with with bated breath, I mean, yeah. it, it was it was tough because uh, he had not only one but two off season surgeries, yeah. and um, it was when when the timeline first came out as mid December, 
Um, uh, you know, there was some question about that because uh, who know who knows how he would respond to uh, to the multiple surgeries. He had um, a lig- uh, tendon in his in his foot. He had knee uh, surgery, um, and and um, he's come back a couple weeks uh, sooner than than expected. And, yeah. um, and, and I think, you know, when, when the Canadians needed them uh, most, because now they've, they're, they're in this, uh, they had a great start in October as normally they do. That's kind of yeah. a, a by the book <laughs> performance by the Canadians. And then the typical uh, November slide. And now they're into their, their five game losing streak. Um, and Shea Weber has come in and, um, uh, there was just a, a different kind of feel to um, uh, the last game against Carolina. Um, on, you know, whether it's uh, him being able to clear the front of the net, whether it's um, the physical presence, uh, certainly the power play has, has missed him, uh, his shot and his ability to, to quarterback that. Um, but, you know, um, it should be mentioned that that uh, it was the, his first game as a captain, but he's been acting as a captain uh, yeah. even while injured. And and I really liked that Shea Weber was traveling with. He was around the team. He was traveling with the team. Um, he was acting like a captain. And and um, there was al- almost a new kind of uh, comfort. Uh, you know, he's not not the most. Uh, 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 media charismatic kind of guy. And yet uh, now in, in the past, he's always kind of laid back a bit and, and left some things to, to the captain, even being match Max Pacioretty, even though he had the experience of being a captain in Nashville, but I, I, I saw him as a whole new kind of, yeah, I'm, I, I'm comfortable with this, uh, with this C on. And, and uh, you know, there was even some self deprecating kind of humor where, they asked him about it. Eric Ingalls asked him and said, it's been 350 some odd games that, and, and Shea Weber said, yeah, well, I should be well rested. Um, <laughs> and uh, then went on when they were talking about, and we will get to this later on how, um, you know, it's been, been hard for the Canadians to find a partner for him. And, and he said, well, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe I'm hard to play with, which of course, um, that isn't the case at all, but, but yeah. just, you know, he's a team guy as is Alsner. And I, I think that's one of the things that's kind of a bit of a theme for today is, uh, is just, uh, acknowledging, um, uh, and respecting, uh, those guys who play for the team first. And certainly, yeah. uh, Carl Alsner and Shea Weber are two great examples of that. Yeah. And I mean, as you mentioned, when he's in the lineup, it's just a different feel. Regardless of how Montreal plays, regardless of if they win or lose, there is a different feel. And um, yeah, I, I think that he's a very, uh, very fitting winner of the week, especially considering, as you mentioned, the uh, off-season surgeries. He's back earlier than expected. So I, I agree with your choice for winners, for your winner of the week, rather. And um I guess we'll we'll pivot to the losers of the week. And and if you're one that if you're somebody that likes positivity, then I think this is about the abrupt end of positivity for the episode because we're going to get into some other things. 
And we're going to start that off with the losers of the week. And my loser of the week is Nick Delorier. And I'm not quite sure if that comes as a surprise. Um, He's been in this conversation, I think, what, three or four times already this season. That Carolina game, I saw a lot of of, uh, of slander on my Twitter timeline towards Arturi Lekkinen for missing a golden opportunity in front of the net. That was an opportunity where Curtis McElhinney was still in the picture, that he had to beat Curtis McElhinney to score. And he tried to do so with a perfectly placed wrist shot. And guess what? Doing that is not very easy. So he's a little bit fine, and he misses the net. Say la vie. That happens. Nick Delorier had a wide open net, a wide open opportunity. Curtis McElhinney not in the picture at all. And he slid it past the entire, he had the entire net to shoot at. And he, and he missed wide. An NHL caliber player hits that 10 times out of 10. Nick Delorier did not. And yeah, you can, go, you can go and say, well, you know what? He's a spark plug. He's got character and energy. Go down, et cetera, et cetera. An NHL caliber player makes that, and that's a game altering. That's a game altering event. If Montreal gets back in that game, it's one-one. We don't know what happens from that point forward. They're certainly not down two-one with the net pulled, with the goalie, uh, with the goalie pulled, trying to get an equalizer late in that game. If he can actually do something that he is supposed to do as a member of this team, which is convert on the golden opportunities. We're not asking much of Nick Delorier. If he makes that, that's all that we ask, that he makes the golden opportunities. You know, you can say what you want about Arturi Lekkinen missing opportunities. Arturi Lekkinen at least contributes something of value to this hockey team. I'm not quite sure Nick Delorier does. So when I look at that and I see that as, as uh, something that could very much change the course of a game, that's where Nick Delorier has to make that has to score there. There's no other way about it. He has to score there. And I was saying the past two weeks, if the fourth line has a negative effect on a game, I understand that that's, you know, he's in front of the net battling with the defenseman. He's got to make that. That's, that's simply an inexcusable miss. As far as I'm concerned, that changed the course of the game right there. That was, you know, it becomes a 2-0 deficit. I know that they score in the third period, but as I mentioned, they're, they're trying. They pull the goalie, and, and they wouldn't have been in that situation if Nick Delorier made good on an opportunity that NHL players most certainly should make good on. Because um, we're mythologizing an NHL player, and, and uh, it, yeah. it's surprising to me be, because the myth of Nicholas Delorier is it doesn't resemble um, doesn't resemble reality. And, uh, you know, several episodes ago, he was already my loser. So I'm going to, I'm going to support your choice here uh, and remind ourselves that, that he should be on that list maybe every week. Um, But, uh, you know, I went through in, in detail and, and kind of documented what he's, you know, there's, there's lots of people say, Oh, it's a facial fracture and he's wearing the cage and that's really affected him, his game. That's utter nonsense. If you go back to, I think it was January 25th, um, that, uh, there was a, uh, kind of a huge uh, drop off. He came in and he, there was lots of, 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 uh, press about him and focus on him. And, and he actually got a few goals 
And then uh, when, once, once he had to stop working for his, his contract, at that point, his contract was, was kind of being finalized. He signed it uh, in early February. Um, a, a ridiculous contract, uh, another one by, by Bergevin. Bergevin. Um, once he had that in his pocket, so to speak, um, his numbers fell off a cliff. Um, yeah. His contributions fell off a cliff. His energy, his, he has not played well. It's not only this season. He hasn't played no. well this calendar year. Uh, it's been a terrible, 2018 has been a terrible year for Nicolas Delorier. Um, and for those that, that were all excited about um, you know, when the trade happened, oh my God, he, you know, Mark Bergevin fleeced the Buffalo Sabres. Um, you know, the Buffalo Sabres uh, GM, uh, uh, Mr. Botterill there is not had, uh, <laughs> he had a, Jason had a pretty good summer. Uh, in signing Carter Hutton and uh, and uh, uh, Skinner, and um, he's had run off a ten, ten game winning streak, and and I think he did all right in the trade with Nicholas Delorier because Zach Redman, who went back the other way, is absolutely the best defenseman in the AHL this season. Um, yeah. And one of the best players. He's been in the top five all season in terms of, of points. And, and uh, boy, would he be uh, valuable to this organization, particularly Lavelle, uh, who's having trouble scoring. Uh, or even when you're looking for um, uh, a left-handed call-up, um, gee, maybe Zach Redman would be nice. And certainly um, you can't say the same. I don't, you know, what kind of impact, even if he goes to the AHL, is Nicholas Delorier going to have on this team or any other? Um, yeah. It's, 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 it's sad. And, and like I say, I just, we need to break the bubble in some of these myths because, uh, and, and Nick, Nicholas Delorier is probably one of the biggest ones. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just, I don't think, and I've said it last week, he hasn't performed up to snuff at all. And um this is going to continue to be a thing because this is an, it is an AHL player. This is plain and simply an AHL player. And I know that, as you mentioned, he's got this following of, of fans who seemingly will defend him for anything at all. But yeah, I, I just, I can't, I can't understand why after this body of work that we've seen, in the calendar year of 2018, it's, it's been the same exact story. And speaking of the same exact story, we have another player who, uh, who's appeared as a loser of the week on a few occasions. And uh, he has been the same guy that he's always been. It's uh, again, we're, we're going to poke holes in, in some things here. It's interesting that my, my loser of the week uh, is Jonathan Druan. Um, which coincides with him uh, being named the Molson Cup winner for November. Uh, mm. Now, how can that be? Well, first and foremost, um, and not to go too far down this road, um, the three stars um, has, has become a bit of a joke in, um, yep. in most cities, really, but particularly mm-hmm. – uh, Montreal, where where uh, you know RDS um, 
Wow. Um, I, I mean, their broadcasts are fine, I guess. But but everybody has to admit that they're more into the, the business of, of activism than they are in, in sports journalism. And um, so they, they, they tend to choose their stars accordingly. And, um, um, but, but, you know, that, that whole thing around three stars is, is bizarre. You know, at one time when it's a one goal game or, or uh, even an overtime game, um, there used to be kind of unwritten rules that in a close game, the first and third star went to the winning team or the home team and, and the, and the, the second star went to the loser. Well, now you can have an overtime game. You can have a one goal game and all the three stars go to the, the home team. Yeah. And I know this is a huge pet peeve for uh, my dear friend, former broadcaster of the St. John's Ice Cavs, Brian Rogers. You, you met uh, Ryan, uh, Brian when yeah. you were covering uh, and Raj, oh, Raj would, would get red in the face when three stars were announced some games. Um, and, and he bitterly complained about how they're being called now. So my point here is, going off on this tangent, that the Molson Cup, which is based on uh, the three-star nod, um, just doesn't have the meaning it, it, it should have. And, and, you know, this week, uh, Jonathan Drouin, um, you know, look at his points, uh, all of that. But um, I, I, what what I value is effort um, and and you know, kind of a team teamwork that I we had talked about with with Alsner and Weber and 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 Jonathan Drouin is the complete opposite. Um, and in that that game this week on Saturday, we saw a very selfish Jonathan Drouin take a penalty, uh, a double minor way away from the play uh, for selfish reasons. Don't tell me that he was defending himself. If you watch it, 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 there was no need for him to do what he did, the, 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 the cross check. And, and um, it was a selfish play. And, you know, it, it wasn't out of character because Jonathan Drouin continues to make selfish plays and it cost the team the game. Uh, even Julian, who who doesn't criticize uh, and certainly hasn't kept Duran accountable this season, um, uh, said yes uh, that the penalty, uh, Duran's penalty, cost the team the game. And if you do that, um, uh, then you're going to be my loser of the week. And uh, yeah, uh, that's that's where I come down. Yeah. Molson cups aside. Jonathan Drouin is a selfish player, cost his team the game in Boston, and is my loser of the week. And I agree with both your assessment of the three stars, which has, in the AHL, I remember last year, that was something that me and Amy Johnson spoke about at great lengths, was that, you know, they'd be a one-goal game, and the, the when I was covering the Belleville Senators, they wouldn't get a single star in that game. I was like, what is going on? And it's, it's become this kind of thing. And, and I agree with Brian Rogers, a St. John's legend as well. Uh, so, um, but yeah, I agree with that. And when I first saw that penalty, I mean, I immediately thought of two things. I mean, David Bax is a guy with a history of concussions. So not only is that a very dangerous play and a very scary thing to watch, especially with, with a cross check to the face, like, it's just a, it, it was brutal to watch, and it, it is what Jonathan drew in. It, it, he is who he is, and you can't talk about well. You know what? He set up the he set up the goal. You know the 
people are going to criticize Carey Price for having great games and in the third period allowing a goal, people are going to find ways to criticize him for not playing when it matters or not showing up when it matters, which is ludicrous, by the way. I don't agree with that. But if they're going to do that, then those same people can't point to a goal and say, well, you know what? He set this up. It doesn't matter because when the time was there for him to not be about himself, he wasn't there. And he's done that time and time again. When the Canadians need to win, Jonathan Drouin isn't a guy that's going to be able to help you do that. As a team, he doesn't, he doesn't contribute to anything as a team. He is about himself. And I think that's and the, you- uh, the length that binds the our losers. Go ahead. Sorry. And just to put a, a, an exclamation point on this, um, Bobby Dallas, who is a, a commentator, was uh, a former NHLer and was a breaker on uh, Habs 360, which was the prede- predecessor of uh, Canadians Connection. After the game, Bobby Dallas came out, very, and, and, and Bobby Dallas will um, is not uh, worried about political correctness. He's going to tell you the way it is. And that's one of the reasons we valued him so much uh, uh, as a, as a guest on the show. And Bobby yeah. Dallas tweeted this um, hashtag Drew I'm not surprised. He's a selfish player. You cannot win with players like him. Personal yeah. stats and personal agenda is all about him. And it's a long contract to eat. Uh, that's that's a pretty uh, uh, frank uh, and 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 accurate assessment uh, of Jonathan Duran. Yeah, and I don't think um, I don't think it can be argued when you look back at that trade that was made about uh, what two years ago or a year ago. I don't know. I've lost track of time. It all goes together with this. <laughs> but you look at that trade right now, and man, oh man, that left side of that defense looking pretty uh pretty thin and that would be a a very nice trade to have back if you're the Montreal Canadiens but unfortunately you can't do that so we have to eat that as Bobby so eloquently said um I guess we'll move on and uh, take a brief break before we get into a lot of different things for the Montreal Canadiens I told you this isn't going to be a very positive episode this is not going to uh this isn't going to paint the Montreal Canadiens in the best uh, in the best light, but that's what we have to do. We have to discuss all things Montreal Canadiens, and we're going to get to Nikita Sherback, as I mentioned, and Victor Meta. So stick around. We'll be back after this. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. 
In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on Canadian Connection. We mentioned off the top of the show that, that calming Nikita Sherbeck. Was that yeah. nice calming music to calm us down and and get us into <laughs> yeah. a good mood to to take things rationally and calm and and uh, you know it's it's not necessarily we're, we're looking out for the Montreal Canadiens. So I, I think in that sense we're being very positive and maybe maybe more so in management. But uh, it's. The, the frustration comes through. Um, so uh, I, I think it's nice to be calmed down, reset, and, and here we go again for the second half of the show. Yeah, and um, it's a good thing that you have your head on straight. I'll say that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this, this is not – I don't mean to sound like, you know, this is the worst thing that's ever happened because that's certainly not the case, but it just kind of – came out of nowhere this news that I mentioned off the show off the top of the show with Nikita Sherback it just kind of I knew that it was probably gonna head to this point I didn't know if it was going to be by a trade or like we've seen in the past waivers with a former Canadian's first round selection or rather a Canadian's draft pick Jacob Delarose wasn't a first round selection but still a rather high selection in terms of of the rounds but you know to me, this is, it, it just kind of shows the things that you've pointed out very much so in the past couple of weeks, that there seems to be this thing that the Montreal Canadiens have against one, players that they have drafted, happen to come from a certain country. And um, I don't know if that is necessarily the case. I don't want to believe that it's the case, but... Regardless, I think I'll let you kind of, because you are, you as you say, rational right now, I'll let you <laughs> bat lead off on this. Yeah, I'm not sure that's true, but um, Nikita Sherback is, um, is one, if we're talking about myth, myths and legends, there's so many myths about Nikita Sherback. Uh, the one that, that uh, you know, oh, he, ha- he has no drive. He ha- I saw it this morning. He has no drive. He's slow. He's, um, you know, he, no work ethic. Um, let's, um, let's dispel all of that. Uh, number one, um, if you haven't watched Nikita Sherback before, uh, it's going to take you a while to get used to him. He's, he's got a, an awkward skating uh, posture. Um, but, 
um, you know, as we saw in the preseason with uh, Matthew Pekka uh, on his right side, uh, Nikita Sherback matched him. Uh, well, actually, his strides are longer, so uh, but but matched him all the way up the ice, and and you know, uh, I I think uh, that that Pekka is considered one of the faster players, and uh, Nikita Sherback was in the right place at the right time to. Uh, redirect uh, Pekka's uh, shot pass and and uh, and picked up his. Uh, he got two goals in the preseason. That's another myth that he had a bad preseason. He didn't. Um, for the games that he was in and the line mates he was given, he had a had a pretty good preseason. Um, but to dispel this, um, you know, I've I've talked to. I, it was last season. Uh, I was in Syracuse and um, in the press box and to the right of me, there were four NHL scouts. They spent the whole time during the game talking about Nikita Sherback and, and peppering me with questions about Nikita Sherback and being excited about Nikita Sherback. Um, and so this season to revisit, it was a different scout. I approached and said, um, Tell, tell me, tell me what you think about Nikita Sherback. I mean, it's odd. He had a decent preseason. He's one of the most skilled, dynamic players on the team. Um, he's more skilled than Charles Houdon. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's a much better player than than the Chapoos and the Agostinos and the Pekas and the Deloriers and whoever else you want to talk about on that bottom line. Why, 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 why? And he said, "Well, here, I'll, I'll." And it's the kind of, you know, we've developed relationships with, with these scouts. And he says, I'll show you my book on, on Sherback. Um, he had in there that um, Nikita is an average skater, uh, which I'd, I'd say is fair. But, yeah. but the reason he has them marked as a, an average skater is because uh, it takes him uh, a couple of strides to get going. He doesn't have the best jump out of the box. Um, but once he's, he's in flight, um, there's, there's nothing about a skater. He talked about his great hands, his, his great release, uh, very skilled, very dynamic, very creative, um, in, yeah. in making plays talked about his willingness with his size to go into the tough areas. Uh, and then the, 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 the highest marks he had in, in, uh, his little notes were for work ethic. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Um, this is outside of the Montreal bubble. And we, we have, we have um, I think, another case where Nikita Sherback, and, and it's done by design, I believe, Nikita Sherback has never, they had made their mind about, up about him last year, uh, yeah. for whatever reason it is. Um, not, not, not necessarily related to hockey. Um, and he wasn't going to play a game this season, regardless of how he performed in camp. Um, but again, uh, like was done with Galchaniak, uh, like was done with De La Rose, um, you leave him and like was done with Alsner, you leave him out of the lineup and you, you, you feed things, you leak things, you do those kinds of things it, with, with Galchenyuk, it was far more public, where they trashed him every week um, publicly, and you drive down his value so that, as has been done with uh, Nikita Sherback over the last two months, he's gone from a 
you know, a first round uh, prospect with a dynamic prospect with skill and, and a lot of promise to, you know, the proverbial fan on, on Twitter says, ah, you know, he's not worth a bag of pucks because you've allowed his value to be trashed. And, and the, the, the thing about Bergevin Zigo is that, that he's willing to, um, you know, to let that happen and get nothing back for, or, or little back. And, and now it's not going to be anything back for sure back uh, if he's claimed on waivers uh, rather than, rather than take the hit to the ego that, that you were wrong about him. Um, and it's, it's really, really a dysfunctional part of this uh, particular regime of the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. And, you know, a lot was a lot was said about, and I'm going to kind of go off on a different tangent here. And um, a lot was said about Sylvain Lafayette. A lot was said about him, his staff, of Marco Marciano, Donald Dufresne, and Nick Carrier. One thing that they did was take players that the Montreal Canadiens had drafted. And keep in mind that I will give Bergevin some credit and say that the cupboards were fairly barren when he arrived. So it took a little bit of a time for Sylvain Lefebvre to actually get pieces that he could use to develop a winning, a winning team, a team that was skilled enough to win and also develop the talent that they had. And year to year, from the time that I covered the St. John's Icecaps to last season, Nikita Sherback was one of the best players in the AHL. He was a point-per-game player. I think it was 30 points in 26 games. And then he got, you know, he was because of injuries and other things, spent some time in Montreal. And he, I believe he also had an injury early last season as well that kind of derailed that, but he very quickly got back on that. And, and as you mentioned, it goes back to that work ethic. But to my point I, about the, the coaches, there is a responsibility. People think that once an AHL player arrives in the NHL, he's developed. That's it. It's fait accompli. That's it. No, there's a responsibility for the coaches in the NHL. Put that guy in a position to succeed and to put that guy, you know, to, to have some sort of plan for him. And the Montreal Canadiens never once showed me or, or anybody else that they had any plan for Nikita Sherback at all. They, they just said, you know what, this is what he is. And they just let him be that. And they wouldn't put him in positions to succeed. And they wouldn't, as you mentioned, zero games played this month or, or this season, rather. He, he was out a month and got sent down to a conditioning stint. And then he kind of got trashed a little bit by the AHL coach. If you don't think that that hasn't driven down both his confidence and his value, then you are sorely mistaken. This is not the first time that we've seen this. And I'm very much I, like, I don't know if I can look at, you know, people are talking about Josh Brook. And, and Nick Suzuki, those are two promising prospects for the Montreal Canadiens. But what makes you believe that this isn't going to happen to them? Because this team has shown they have no vested interest in guys and in, in young players and developing young players. They would very much rather go out and get a Matthew Pecker or Nick Deloria of the world than play a guy that they've drafted and developed. To me, I don't really know what to make of this because We've seen it over and over and over again. This is a conversation we've had multiple times. It's to the point that talking about it is like driving my head against a wall because this is exactly what they did to uh, Jacob De La Rose just over a month ago, and it's exactly what they did 
to Alex Galchenyuk. It's a mixture of the two because they did trade Alex Galchenyuk, but there was this public trashing of Alex Galchenyuk before that happened. And then obviously they are most likely going to lose this guy for nothing. They should because he's a quality player, an NHL caliber player, unlike one of the guys that I mentioned earlier, Nick Delorier. So I don't really know what the Montreal Canadiens, I, I can't speak to what their plan was to start this season, but I think it's become clear to everybody that this guy was never a part of their plans. And it goes back to not only the development, because look, Sylvain Lefebvre did his job and, and his staff, they did their job. But once the players come up to the NHL, it's on the, it's on the coaches there. There's nothing that, that, that Sylvain Lefebvre can do after that. He's prepared him to play in the NHL. What is the NHL going to do for him? That's something that's, that's really missed. And, and I've mentioned it before, and I'll keep mentioning it because I think I'm one of the few who does mention it. I've, I've come up with this, this uh, additional component uh, when, it ta- when I talk about prospects, and I call it transition. Yeah. Um, for, a, for a prospect um, in your organization, you have to draft well which Trevor Timmons has done. You have to develop well, um, which we talked about uh, last season on the Habs 360, the number of players that, that the Sylvain Lefebvre regime has developed and made ready for the NHL. Um, and then you have to transition them well. And that's up to the, to the general manager. It's up to the uh, NHL coach. And with, with uh, Claude Julien and Michelle Therrien, they have done a terrible job in transitioning prospects into their lineup. And you look at someone who's as skilled, as talented, that has such uh, potential as Sherback. And even when there was injuries last season uh, to Max Pacioretty, um, uh, Sherback, yeah, he got his, his, his time in the lineup, not much time, and not in a position. You made the, the point putting them in a position to succeed. And that's, that's what Claude Julien is worst at. Um, you know, you had Nikita Sherback with Logan Shaw uh, and you had, yeah. you had, you had him with, and he's a playmaker first. Um, yeah. And, and you didn't put him in a position to succeed and then uh, held him responsible for that. And, and, you know, uh, whereas, whereas uh, a player like Delorier, Zero accountability for his poor play this year. Jonathan Drouin, zero accountability for his uh, bad penalties, for his selfish play, for his poor defensive play, for his lack of interest in playing, zero accountability. Um, and, and those are the things that are most frustrating for us when we get upset when we talk about them. But you know what? They're really, they really upset those players are smart. They know what's going yeah. on. They, they know, um, you know, when they see, uh, um, and they ask the questions among themselves. Um, what is, what is uh, Xavier Willette have that Brett Lernout doesn't have? Um, what is, you know, uh, those are the kinds of discussions players have. They know the situation. Um, and they're, they're pretty brutally honest about things. And so yeah. for uh, Nikita Sherbag uh, not to be given a chance, this isn't, this isn't a hockey decision. This is about something else. Uh, and, and I'm afraid that those uh, opinions and those decisions were made last year, and, and they're based on, well, even if they're made last year, 
they're 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 based on a situation where Nikita Sherbeck was not in put in a position to maximize the skills he has and and uh, not put in a position to succeed. Yeah. So I guess with that in mind, we'll kind of shift gears because there's another guy who has been this has been criticized over this past week. I mean, it, it's it's not exactly been. I don't really understand why, but anyways, he's been sent down, and that is Victor Mete. And he's going to be spending some time with the Val Rocket. He played last night. And I think the same kind of thing applies in that the Montreal Canadiens have not really put him in a position to succeed. I don't, I don't imagine that, you know, he's been, uh, you know, he's been playing behind the likes of, of Schlemko and, and, and Riley and, and, and other people throughout this season, he's been playing behind. So what did you make of that move being made earlier this week? And that's it. It's, it's, um, you know, we're into this where promote a player and, and you and I've talked about this where, where you promote a player and say, this, this player deserves a chance. And then when they're put in a bad position, you say, wait, 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 no, he has some, some, some issues he needs, you know, and I think that's what's happened with Victor Meta. He was put in a, 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 a ridiculous position last year. He was, he was made to be the story. Um, how wonderful it was this, uh, you know, d- down the draft uh, when he was taken. And yet what a wonderful story that he comes in and, uh, and he's able to play with, with uh, Shea Weber. And again, it's one of those, you know, in a bad season last year, it was one of those good news stories that the marketing department could play on. And, and it wasn't good for Victor Mata. It wasn't good for him at all uh, to be put in that situation. And now um, I think a place where you and I kind of disagreed a bit, and that was at the beginning of the season, I thought Victor Mata was struggling. Um, he he was he was having a hard time um and then um after being in and out in a bit he 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 came on quite strong and and i think you were promoting him you thought you know when others were saying riley or whoever for for uh uh being with petrie um when petrie was on the top pairing and now with weber uh you were saying victor meta and and uh and and Meta turned it around, uh, and he's if you look at the stats, um, he's with uh, for the last uh, before he was sent down, he has given up the fewest. Uh, he's been on the ice uh, for the fewest goals against five on five, um, and so I you know I'm going to give you credit for that, um, and 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 because he's turned things around, and yet. At that time, he's improved dramatically. Um, he's he's made that, and yet he's sent down because it's convenient, uh, yeah. because he's not exposed to waivers. Uh, that's mismanagement um, of transitioning your prospects, like I mentioned before, and you're 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 putting him ahead. I mean. Um, probably one of the sillier things that I saw on, on Twitter um, was that uh, we're sending him down to build his confidence. Um, that is, that is utter nonsense, utter 
nonsense. Um, you've told Victor Meta we're sending you down because, um, you know, we have NHL players here. We have NHL defensemen here, and you're not. We have NHL defensemen like Jordy Ben and Riley, Xavier Willette, Brett Kulak, and, and, and uh, uh, before that it was Alsner. But, but uh, all those people, you're telling this guy, and, and, and you, believe, you don't believe that that's in a guy's head? I'm telling you it is because I've talked to those guys. I've talked to guys who've gotten sent down. That's in their head that they go yeah. through the list. They go through the list of the, the people who are still on the Montreal Canadiens roster and they compare themselves. That happens. That's just natural. And it was, it was interesting because Victor Mata is, is always positive, always, always very positive. And he was for the most part after he was sent down and they made a yeah. bit of a hoopla about it. And there was a bit of a marketing thing going on there. Um, but he, again, in the midst of his positivity, he he kind of revealed himself when he said, "Well, you know, I'm not too mad about it." Um, so, yeah. of course, he was mad. Um, yeah. The other thing that was was a bit telling, I think, was um, uh, when he was asked about what did Claude Julien say. Well, he said that offensively, I'm more than fine," said Victor Meta. Um, however. He wants me to close more quickly in the defensive zone. Mm-hmm. So you want to, to learn how to close more quickly. And you're sent to the AHL where the play is a lot slower. Yeah. Your play is, is a lot slower. They asked, they asked Matt uh, last night and he said, they said, what did you think? And he said, well, the, the play is quite, Quite yeah. differently, different. Um, uh, it's it's it's. He he insinuated that it it's sloppy. He said there was a lot of running around going on. Yeah. Um, and that the that it was the 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 pace of the play was much lower, slower. So how are you going to learn? How are you going to learn in the AHL if that's if that's what you're exposed to? He needs. He's learned all he needs to know. Uh, yeah. at that he needs to be in the the NHL learning these lessons like and that was the point that I made during the Carolina game he 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 will gain nothing from this because people that haven't watched a lot of AHL hockey they don't really quite understand the differences and it's a little bit telling in some cases because people think that an NHL guy or a guy that spent time in the NHL can simply go down to the AHL and right off the bat step into it like it's nothing and as you mentioned, he did say that it was a little bit slower. Guys were running around a little bit meaner. And to me, this is why Victor Meta isn't quite suited to play this game because he's a guy that, you know, he's got a lot of speed. He's not, he's not quite built up yet. He's still like, you know, he's, he's 20 years old. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a side point in just a minute about that. But, you know, this is not a guy that I think will gain much from this simply because the games are very different. And because the game is a little bit slower, he doesn't learn anything from this. He doesn't really take anything from this. And as we mentioned that multiple times, sending him down to Laval, I'm not quite sure that that's going to do anything for his confidence because he's going to a losing situation, number one. And if you're going to be in a losing situation, it might as well be in the NHL at this point. 
Number two, they've just not been good down there. They haven't been good. Joel Bouchard hasn't been good. And, and, and I just don't really think that, you know, this is going to be beneficial for Victor Meta at all. And I'm going to make a point here. And I know that some people might get disappointed by this, but it's, it's a point that has to be made. In that game against Boston last week, Gasperi Kotkaniemi had the puck in his blue line, had the puck at the blue line, and was stripped by David Backus. David Backus went in and scored. If we're going to be objective and say and call things as they are, that is a goal that is at the fault of Jesperi Kotkaniemi. And I understand that he's 18. I'm not blaming him. He's growing. He's learning. But then when Victor Meta, you know, he lost in that front battle. He was kind of screening Carey Price on that first goal. You know what? Maybe that's on him. Maybe he, you know, he's not quite good at that. He's not quite figured that part of it out. Mind you, he's only 20. Not quite a guy that is going to be adept at throwing people around in front of the net. But you know what? Maybe that's a goal that you can put on him. But if you're going to call out Victor Meta for that, then I don't want to see, you know, like you have to acknowledge when players make mistakes. You can't pick and choose when it is and when it fits your narrative. Because Yasperi Kotkaniemi at 18 years old is learning the game, and people will be very quick to point that out. But Victor Meta at 20 years old, two years before, doesn't get that treatment. Oh, you know what? He needs to go down. He needs to learn. He needs to do this, that, and the other. Well, you know what? I understand that the Montreal Canadiens have a need for centermen, and Jesperi Kotkaniemi has been very good. I'm not taking that away from him. But you need to be consistent with your arguments because Victor Meta also fits a need that the Montreal Canadiens have. And as we mentioned, they aren't, they aren't very good on the left side of the defense either. So I think that there's a lot more to be gained from Victor Meta making mistakes and learning from them and having the likes of Shea Weber and Jeff Petrie on the other side that he can learn from than being down on Laval where, I mean, yes, you have Carl Alsner there, who's a veteran, but other than that, this team, the, the Laval Rocket have been a complete and utter dumpster fire. So like, this isn't something that I don't, I don't think that he's going to gain anything, anything from this. And, and to me, I think that there's been a lack of consistency where fans, you know, will say, well, you know what? Yasperi Kakanyemi has been great. Well, he has been, but he did make a mistake. And if he, if you're going to, you know, judge, make the judgments off of one mistake or a couple of mistakes, well, you're not going to get very far in development. And I think that goes back to the argument we just had about Nikita Sherback. And a couple more things you mentioned uh, about, about making mistakes and, 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 and being punished. Um, Mason Appleton, um, part of the Jets organization will make his, his debut for the, the Winnipeg Jets. Um, one of those long shot kind of guys um, who uh, picked down the, down in the, in the draft uh, and uh, has been developed really nicely and, and who, yeah. who uh, developed really nice. Last year he was dying against uh, the rocket um, and there's an interview out uh, from him and others, um, but I was particularly struck by the words uh, that he spoke uh, at the beginning of the season, saying how the Jets, um, how good their development is, and how they don't punish young players for for their mistakes. That 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 learning is is encouraged from mistakes, but um, you don't have to worry about. You can be free to play your game and 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 not have to worry about mistakes, and that just doesn't exist. And and uh, in the Montreal Canadiens, and you can apply it to the the, the meta situation, and and I think um, 
you know, uh, sending him to to uh, Laval to to develop um, is 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 a misnomer because, as we said, there's there's not the lessons to be uh, the kinds of lessons that he needs to learn aren't available there. But you know, even if we go by Joel Bouchard's uh, definition, he was very emphatic at the beginning of the year that no, this isn't. This isn't a development situation that winning is the most important. Winning is his priority. Winning is what develops players. So if we take Joe Bouchard, I, I don't necessarily agree, but let's take him at his word. Uh, mm-hmm. that that's, that's what happens. Then there's not a whole lot of development going on right now at the Lavelle Rocket who find themselves at the bottom of the AHL standings. Um, so why throw Victor Meta into that situation? Now, maybe you want him to be mentored. You want him to be yeah. mentored by, by excellent defensive, but someone who's seen it all, who's, who's been everywhere. So who did we have last year? We had Sylvain Lefebvre, uh, uh, many years in the NHL for the Canadians, for Colorado, um, Avalanche, won a Stanley Cup. Uh, mm-hmm. with Colorado Avalanche. You had Donald Dufresne, a uh, longtime NHL player, uh, won a Stanley Cup uh, with the Montreal Canadiens, uh, and, and one of the far, by far one of the best hockey teachers I've ever seen. Who do you have looking after the defense this year? Is, is anybody, is any Canadians fans know? Uh, his name is Daniel Jacob. He has one pro game to his uh, credit in the AHL for San Antonio. And the rest of his experience is university hockey um, and playing in Serbia. Uh, so, uh, you know, be careful when you criticize past regimes. Be yeah. careful when you say you want somebody to go down for development when you, when, when, when all those things. And, and I think one other kind of interesting point here. Um, uh, to, let me make two points. Um, one is, you know, we, we talked about entertainment value and fans being entertained um, a few weeks back and, and, and even not so much the hockey side or the marketing side, but the hockey side was in on it. J- Julian was talking about needing to entertain the fans to get them in the building. What about Lavelle? Um, last year, their attendance Average was 6,700 people. This year, it's, it's in half of that. It's been cut in half. And there was an interesting tweet, I thought, by, by one of the broadcasters uh, that tickets were flying off the shelf uh, when it was announced that, that Alner and Meta um, were going to play this weekend, uh, on Friday, Saturday, last night against Lehigh Valley, today against Utica. Uh, tickets were flying off the shelf. Um, hmm. I wonder if uh, part of that has uh, thinking has made the, made its way into some of the what are supposed to be hockey decisions. Uh, mm. Because last night in Laval they had 5,500 people, uh, more than 2,000 uh, over their their season average. Um, and one last thing, um, and that's about the planning, the lack of planning, the lack of preparation for. They know Weber's going to return. They know the Canadian Mark Bergevin, Claude Julien know they're going to need somebody to play with him. And yet, for the most part this season, you know, Victor Meta commented on it last night. Gee, it was nice to play on the left side. Yeah. 
why at the start of the season, Victor Mando was playing to the left side of, of uh, Jeff Petrie. But yet, for the majority of the season, he's played on the right. If you know you need somebody to play on the left of Shea Weber, what are you doing playing one of the top candidates on the same side Weber is? What are you doing? That's, it's, it's mind-boggling that, that a team like this is, doesn't have that kind of foresight, doesn't have that kind of planning. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, these kinds of, they may seem small, but put all of this together, and there's a lot of, of, of uh, mismanagement going on when it comes to prospects uh, and managing their transi- transition. There's that word again. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know exactly when we'll, we will see Victor Meta again. I, I would hope it would be sooner rather than later because, as I mentioned, I don't know if he gains a whole lot. And as you mentioned, I don't know if he gains a whole lot from this. And uh, maybe it was, as you say, a, a, a marketing scheme <laughs> in, uh, in the case of, of getting a game with both him and and Carl Alsner down in Laval to uh, draw some tickets. So who knows what it was? I, I mean, I don't think that it's, it's necessarily been his play, especially when you look at the guys that are still in front of him. But at that, uh, I, at that, I think this is a probably an appropriate time to, uh, to end this because I don't know exactly where we can, uh, where we can go from here. It's, it's certainly been a bit of a, of a week, especially now just the last hour with, Nikita Sherback being uh, put on waivers as well. We've seen the uh, three three instances where this where this team has kind of shown their cards a little bit. So, with that in mind, I think we'll move on because, as I mentioned, we've gone uh, <laughs> we've gone quite a while just talking about the way that this has been handled with Nikita Sherback and Victor Meta. So, we'll be right back. We're going to talk about the weeks that have kind of built up over this season. Talk about a bad tweet of the week. So stick around. We'll be back after this. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fanning. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. 
for the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects. Log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadian Connection podcast. We just had a rather lengthy conversation about uh, Victor Meta and Nikita Sherback and the way that they've been handled. So we'll we'll kind of move on now and uh, and discuss what's to come for the Montreal Canadiens over the coming weeks. Yeah, some some uh, notable dates on the calendar, including games, and and we'll mention that. But uh, tomorrow, um, all eyes are going to be on the waiver wire to see uh, if. Um, Nikita Sherback is claimed and, and who claims him. There's, uh, I think there, he, he uh, could be helpful to a number of teams. Um, yeah. We're likely to get uh, uh, um, Paul Byron uh, back uh, in the lineup. Uh, that will, uh, you know, maybe uh, Yoel Armia is uh, so, so uh, is another spot need to be created and will that, um, have an effect on Chapu, uh, Agostino, Pekka, uh, Delorier. Um, that's coming up. Um, the Carl Alsner situation is is not going to stay that way for very long. In fact, um, uh, with Alsner now being having the the distinction of being the highest paid player in the AHL, uh, I, that's not something that Mark Bergevin wants on his resume. So I think. <laughs> That's going to happen. Something's going to happen there. And, and Alsner's agent, J.P. Barry, has been given permission by the Canadians to go and seek out other um, uh, teams uh, who might have an interest. And, and uh, Alsner has a, uh, a seven-team no-trade list, um, teams he doesn't want to go to. But uh, we've, we've heard that, that teams have already expressed interest, uh, and they include uh, Dallas, include Toronto, uh, include the Islanders, of course, Barry Trotz, uh, when he was with Washington, now with the Islanders, uh, is quite familiar with Carl Elsner. Colorado, Washington, his former organization, are interested. Um, and I think, uh, you know, it's it, what's going to, it's going to take uh, Mark Bergevin retaining some of that, a good portion of that $4.6 million salary. It may take uh, a, a bad contract coming back the other way. Um, but I think there's, I don't know what you think, but I, I think something's gotta, gotta happen there. Cause, uh, I don't see Alsner staying, uh, for an extended period of time, um, in the AHL. Yeah. And I agree with that. I think that it, it there's a lot of teams that could use, I mean, you know, you hear it all the time. You can never have enough defensemen. Montreal would almost certainly, I think would have to retain some of that. And, uh, you know, that's, it's been a lot of a lot of the criticism has been about the contract more than the player, and people forget that that's not on Carl Alsner. It's on the guy that doled out the money to get him. So um, yeah, so I think that Montreal would almost probably certainly have to to, uh, to to retain some money on that. But I think that yeah, there's there's he's he's too good to be in the in the AHL, even if his style is you know a little bit dated or whatever the word is that people were using. 
you know, he's slow and, and all that, but I mean, he, he's still got a, a, he still has a game that is, that, that can be played in the NHL. And Absolutely. I think that Sherback as well is a guy that I think is almost certainly going to be picked up. And I think the other thing we're going to see is this continuing uh, audition of, of defensemen besides Shea Weber tonight. Uh, it's going to be Brett Kulak. Uh, and mm-hmm. we've, likely that's the way it, it, it has been in practice. And, and, you know, we've, we've, we played up the, 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 uh, the assets of a Brett Kulak um, uh, to when we were talking about him in the AHL, but certainly he's another third pairing defenseman. And he's, we've seen, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's got, uh, he skates well and he's got a good stick, but he's uh, overly aggressive and, and causes some problems in his own end. Now, whether they'll be satisfied with Weber cleaning those up or not, I, I don't know. But, you know, who's next? Um, Julian wasn't very impressed with, uh, with Schlemko uh, beside uh, Weber. He, he was pretty open about that. Um, Riley's been talked about, although he's uh, a defensive liability. Um, uh, or will there be, will there be some um, trade movement and, uh, and a new uh, partner to to try out with uh, with Shea Weber. It's it's going to be very interesting in the games that uh, have come up and and you know as we've talked about, this is a critical part of of Canadian schedule as well. Yeah, yeah, and I mean the the one that jumps off uh, the page to me would be that I mean you're going to be seeing the Ottawa Senators three times this month, and uh, one would be a home and home back to back games. So that's going to be I mean this this is these are points within your division you would like to have. So the Montreal Canadiens are legitimate about wanting to make a push for the playoffs. These are points that, that could be valuable in doing that. So do you want to move very quickly to, uh, to the Movember initiative that you guys, the all Habs team has been uh, taking part in this month? Absolutely. We just, we just want to thank um, all of our, all of our listeners, all of our readers, all of our followers uh, for their participation. We, we love to participate in, in November because it's, it's what a great charity, what a great cause. Yeah. Uh, men's health, both uh, physical and mental health, is very important and, and uh, uh, doesn't get enough attention. So November focuses on that. Uh, there's those of us who've uh, grown uh, bad facial hair, uh, <laughs> and I'm included in that. Uh, there's those who uh, have joined the move challenge and yeah. uh, have racked up uh, 150 kilometers on our team uh, worth of, of movement. Um, and uh, we've, we've raised over $500 and that's, uh, that's more than our goal. And, and we're, we're thrilled to pass that on to uh, the Movember foundation. So thank you all of, all of you who yeah. have, uh, have uh, participated. Uh, we thank our team. Uh, yeah. Every one of uh, the eight people or so who was involved at the, at the top of the leaderboard was uh, Matt and Phil and Caitlin. Um, and uh, we're really p- pleased uh, to, to join this, this uh, fight every year and uh, we'll do it again next year. So really appreciate yeah. it. And, and listen, if, if you, you didn't get a chance to, to participate um, I think you can still squeeze in a donation today. So if you yeah. go to Movember, Movember.ca, Movember.com, search for All Habs Hockey Magazine, uh, you'll find our page, and you can you can slip in that last dollar or two that uh, that'll add 
um, to our uh, to our goal. Absolutely, and it is a very worthy cause, as you say. And and yeah, I was just going on Twitter today and seeing uh, Lewis and Gibby from the uh, Have a Listen podcast that they were they were showing the end of month results and and their uh, and uh, how that all turned out. So yeah, it's it's an absolute uh, it's it's just a great cause. So yes, if you can donate that would be uh very appreciated in uh in just the last moments and uh yeah so i guess we'll uh wrap things up here i think that is a uh, an appropriate place to end with such a such a great cause such as november and everything that that does so tonight's montreal canadians they're going to be at home against the new york rangers so that's going to be an interesting game we uh we're going to have brett kulak as you mentioned on the uh the left side of of shea weber which We'll see how long that lasts and, and, and what comes of that. So is there anything you'd like to say just before we, uh, before we take off? Well, uh, uh, be sure to, uh, to listen to uh, – thank you for listening to, to this podcast, The yeah. Canadian's Connection. Um, during the week, we'll have From the Press Box. That's the AHL-focused uh, 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 podcast. We also have Have a Listen and Habs Unfiltered. We've got you – covered completely uh and uh look us up uh on rocket sports radio and on any of your uh podcast platforms you'll find us there and and we're glad to have you along yeah absolutely so you can follow me on twitter at joe whalen 19 rick is manning the at all habs account and this podcast has its own twitter account at habs connection so i mean you can follow us on twitter instagram like us on facebook and as rick mentioned you can listen to every episode on some of your favorite podcast platforms like Overcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, and iTunes. So I guess we'll take off right there, and uh, we'll thank you for tuning in to this episode of Canadians Connection. It was a rather uh, a lot to get through today on this podcast. So we thank you for, for listening, for sticking around with us, and uh, we'll be right back with you next week discussing all things Montreal Canadiens and perhaps what's come of the Carl Alsner and, uh, and, and Nikita Sherback situations, perhaps even Victor Meta again. We'll get all of that wrapped up. We'll get all that talked about next week right here on Habs Connection. That's at 1 Eastern, 2.30 Newfoundland time. We'll be right back with you next week. We'll talk to you then. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net.